it's really important sometimes to lose something, to start to be aware of how much it means to you and its significance. And that's happened. We've lost a lot of things. You're now listening to the Let's Talk About Life podcast, brought to you by Don't Settle, with your host, Harrison King. What's up, everybody? My name is Harrison King, and we're back for another episode of the Let's Talk About Life podcast. If you're new here, which you might be, and if you are, welcome, um, we are having conversations on here that are a little more than the average discussion, the average chat. That's the whole point about this. It's talking about things and diving a little deeper into the stuff that's, that's um, the bigger things in life, right? And that's the point. And that's what we're doing today. Uh, and before we start, I just want to quickly have a little disclaimer and say that we're talking about something. I'm going to share some information that might be a little controversial uh, to some people, maybe, or you think that I'm, you know, I'm trying to tell you, tell you what to do. That's not the point because I think it's actually important to talk about things that are controversial because it means that, you know, people have different opinions on things. And, and the point of this podcast, um, is to try to broaden your perspective, to think about things, maybe, you know, shed some light on the other side of, of a situation that you maybe haven't thought about. And that's what we're going to try to do today. So I want you to be open-minded. I'm uh, not trying to say what's right, what's wrong, just relaying some facts. Um, so on that note, we're going to talk about COVID-19, the coronavirus, right? Um, it's really one of the only things we talk about nowadays. At least that's what I found. I was just out at an appointment earlier today and, and the person was talking with the receptionist about what? About what? The coronavirus. That's right. And it's just, that's, that's all we talk about. That's the big thing that's happening in our life right now. And that's <laughs> funny enough what we're going to talk about today. Um, but not what, like I said, not, uh, not what we normally would talk about. Lots of the time there's a lot of complaining and kind of negativity about this because it's, it's a bad thing, right? Well, first of all, we know why we're doing that because of the last episode, right? We talked about complaining, but, um, why are we focusing on the negatives of this? Because it's not a great thing. Right, people are dying. People are losing their jobs, businesses, big companies are going bankrupt out of they're just they're out of out of money. It's 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 a crazy time. Uh, twenty twenty has really been quite the roller coaster, as we all know. Um, so yeah, it makes sense that we're trying to you know not talk about the what's positive about this, right? What's positive about COVID nineteen? Well, I think. And I've chatted with a lot of other people that, you know, it actually can be seen as a good thing. Now, I'm not talking about the virus itself. The virus itself is horrible. We don't want that. You know, we it's, it's horrible. It's the things it's causing for people. You know, I'm not at all trying to undermine what's happening uh, in our world and with people in different situations. But what I want to talk about is maybe how you can take something that seems bad or that is bad and, and see it as an opportunity. Um, and again, not trying to diminish what's happening but trying to like, you know, give you a little bit of a different perspective. Go, hmm, maybe, maybe this is a good thing for, to just kind of change things up. Things have been, you know, very much the same in our society for a long time, um, for quite a while, I guess. And, and maybe in your life, and this could be a chance to kind of change it up. And it definitely has changed up our lives, right? But it's creating a new normal. And that's kind of what I want to talk about. So 
just to start off, I mean, what is the biggest kind of impact that people that this has had on people's lives? Well, we're working from home. People are working from home. And yeah, there were people that worked from home before, but uh, most people, are, well, basically everybody is right now, uh, unless, you know, they're starting to open things up and, and you're getting back to work. But uh, even then, a lot of a lot of companies are keeping people at home. Um, and the interesting thing here is that uh, according to the U.S. Bureau of Labor Statistics, uh, this is pre-corona, right, These, this, this statistic, but um, 24% of people were doing their work from home. That's not very many. That's like less than a third of people were at working at home and 82% were doing their work at their workplace. Yes, that doesn't add up to a hundred. I'm not the, I'm not the statistics guy. I'm just telling you what the U.S. bureaus telling me, right? Um, anyway, most people are working at a workplace. Um, well, because of that, you're not at home very often and you're missing out on other things that you could be doing at home. So interesting thing here, the Huffington Post posted a thing a while ago and and this is really interesting so I want to share this with you so the average person they say you know spends just under 80 years on this planet we're gonna go with that for this right uh, so just under 80 years 26 years of that over your lifetime 26 years of that will be spent sleeping that's crazy but it makes sense because I mean we spend how many hours of our day you know six to eight hours of our day in bed, trying to trying to sleep or sleeping. Um, so 26 years of that. Um, seven years trying to fall asleep, <laughs> uh, which is quite funny. So we're looking at, what, 33, right? Um, and on top of that, four years and six months of your life, you're eating. Um, but, I mean, these things are important. We need to eat. We need to sleep, right? So we can't really get rid of that. So we're looking at, you know, 37, almost 40 years, almost half our lives are eating and sleeping. But... We need that to survive. So we can't really complain about that, right? Um, and then just another interesting fact about one year, four months exercising. But here's the thing. Here's the kicker, right? This is what I was trying to get to. About 13 years of your life, if you're living to, you know, saying being about 80, well, even if you're not, but uh, 13 years of your life for the average person is spent at work. 13 years of your life is spent at work. That's pretty substantial thing. Now, that's not, I'm not saying that's a bad thing. I'm not saying that's a good thing. I'm just, I'm just saying, but that's a lot of time, 13 years of your life spent at work. Um, and I'm just trying to put this into perspective to kind of see, you know, how much time does, you know, the average person spend away from home and their family at work? 13 years of your life you spend. And the thing about that is, 27% of your remaining life, so we're talking about earlier here, uh, you're spending time sleeping and eating, obviously all those things that are a necessity. Um, so if you take that out of the picture, because, you know, you can't, you're, you're sleeping, you're unconscious, you can't really do anything. So we'll say with the time, the years left, you spend 27% of your remaining years left at work. That's like a third of your life. Like that you're actually living a third of your life you're at work. The average person. Again. Um well, while we're on this topic, another interesting fact, this is not really relevant, but uh around eleven years you spend on the sc- on a screen and screen time. Eleven years. Ridiculous. It's crazy. We love our phones, right? Um that'll be another episode at some point. We're gonna talk about that. But anyway, thirteen years. That's what we're we're coming back to. Thirteen years of your life. I can't get over that. It's crazy. Um well here's the thing. So now you spend 13 years of your life. Well, that's going to be different now because people are working 
from home. And why, you're saying, why, Harrison, why is Corona a good thing, right? Well, you spend all this time at work. Maybe you'd rather be at home. Well, here's some interesting facts about working at home, right? So according to the Global Workplace uh, Analytics, two-thirds of people, this is again pre-corona, two-thirds of people want to work from home, right? A lot of people want to be working at home. And the thing about it is that 95% of employers say that telework, like working at home, uh, has a high impact on employee retention. So people are staying actually focused more um, and doing more things and they're being more productive when they're at home, right? Um, I know there's more. Just wait. Um, here's something that is really interesting. 78% of employees who call in sick really aren't. That's right. Most people that are saying they're sick, they're not sick. You know, they want to, they're at the golf course. <laughs> um, but uh, you know what? They, uh, they do so because of, you know, family issues, personal needs, stress. Maybe you're going golfing, who knows? But uh, 78% of employees who call in sick aren't. And the thing about that is those are, you know, unscheduled absences. But those unscheduled absences cost employers a total of $300 billion a year. That's for U.S. companies. They're losing $300 billion. Uh, they're after just from people calling in sick, but they're not actually sick. Um, and And here's the thing. Right? How do you reduce that? People calling in sick for no reason. Well, the American Management Association found that organizations that implemented a telework program working at home realized a 63% reduction in unscheduled absences. So people working at home aren't calling in sick as much because, you know, they don't need to be, they, they're trying to get off work so they can be at home doing things or whatever. They can do that while they're at home. Um, so, to, so far, I'm hearing a couple benefits of being at home. We're talking about employee retention going up. Unscheduled absences going down, which is, you know, better for everybody. Companies are saving money. $300 billion. It costs them a year in that. So if you have people working at home, those numbers are going down. Um, and here's the big thing. We talked about employee retention, but teleworkers are 35 to 40% more productive um, than, than their counterparts at, at the workplace. So people working remotely from home are significantly more productive. Um, and here's the interesting thing. Again, we're talking about money, right? For the businesses. Well, businesses lose $600 billion a year. We're talking again in the U.S. In workplace distractions, $600 billion a year they're losing. So they're using that from distractions, $600 billion. They're using $300 billion they're losing from um, you know, people calling in sick, but they're at the golf course. Um, so that's a lot of money. You know, we're talking at you know, nine, well, that total, that's $900 billion. We're talking in the U.S. companies a year they're losing and they can start to lower those numbers by sending people home saying, you know, work from your bedroom. I don't know, but it's going to save them money. And, um, the other thing is people are happier when they're at, um, they're working at home. It says people are people are significantly happier, um, and you know people are being more productive. They're they're saving their companies money. It's just a really interesting thing. So working at home, you might be you know feeling like it's a bad thing, uh, but it can be seen as a good thing overall. I think you can definitely try to take that route. Really interesting and another important thing. Uh, it reduces energy consumption because office equipment energy consumption is about twice that requires like two times more energy uh, to, you know, send people to a big office building than people trying to operate stuff in their own home. So we're saving the planet. 
We're saving the company's money. People are happier. They got more free time. Oh my gosh. This is what I'm saying. It's just interesting. Now, obviously there's other factors, right? But the thing is that, uh, it's just, it's something to think about. And I have heard, you know, a couple, a couple of friends and family and their companies have said, you know, we might be actually not going back to work. I work in a big corporate, you know, building and I might be working from home for a long time because companies have realized that we, people are being more productive, you know, we're saving money. This is a good thing. So that's, that's something that could come out of this, uh, you know, whole situation. Um, and here is something interesting. So this is when people are back at work. Everything was quote unquote normal. Uh, the New York Post said that American families get just under 37 minutes of quality family time together per day. That's a little sad. 37, under 37 uh, minutes of quality family time together per day. And I mean, the thing is on weekends when people aren't at work and, you know, they're not doing other things, that quality time jumps up to two hours and 40 minutes because you're, you know, awake from work and your distractions or whatever you're doing during the week. So why is this important? Well, um, being at home increases your family time, right? Because, well, two things. You're not doing potentially as much work because, because you're being more productive at home. So you have a little more free time, potentially, you know, depends on what's, what's happening. But also you're just, you know, you're at home um, and you're going to have more family time because people are around. It's, it's, you're, uh, you're being more productive um, and you're, you're technically less distracted as they said, but uh, you know, somebody's coming in, they're giving you a sandwich or whatever. You're having a chat, having a chat with a family member, whatever. You're, you're spending time still with your family and it's more than when you're just away at work. Uh, and why is this important? Well, social support provides a resource for coping that dulls the detrimental impact of stressors in your life um, on your well-being. So basically, just it's a social support is a, is, is a resource um, for just coping with the bad impact the stress has on our lives. And um, so that, you know, obviously we want to deal with stress and we want to feel better. And, and the way to do that is just having social support, which is, which is quality, can be quality family time. And this doesn't just have to be family, but um, that's what we're talking about right now. And uh, well, there's actually a lot of health benefits of spending quality time. Um, we're talking healthy relationships with family. So um, we're going to base it off that right now. And, and you can see that, you know, I know that there's a lot of different situations out there and people might not have those healthy relationships and they might be not in that situation. But this could also, again, be an opportunity to try to try to better those relationships, strengthen, strengthen them um, and make them healthier, um, right? And then you're starting to get closer to this. But health benefits of spending quality time in healthy relationships with family, it improves your mental health. It boosts your self-confidence. It teaches effective conflict resolution, right? You got to figure things out. You know, I want to paint the wall white, you know, and the other person wants to paint it red. Well, you got to figure that out. <laughs> so uh, it teaches effective conflict resolution. Um, it reduces stress. Uh, it enhances your physical health. And here's the big one. It length lengthens your life expectancy, right? Health benefits of spending quality time with family, uh, healthy family relationships, right? Um it can lengthen your life expectancy. How crazy is that? Um, healthy relationships can potentially, now this is not, again, all the time, lots of this stuff, but it can increase your lifespan up to 50%. You're living so much longer having those healthy relationships. So here's the thing, right? If you're staying home from work, 
uh, well, you're working from home, you're spending more time with your family, most likely. Um, and if you're trying to cultivate healthy relationships in your family or the people around you, um, you're actually increasing your health um, and potentially your life expectancy. Just ridiculous stuff, crazy things that I never thought were possible. So Make sure, make sure that you're making that a priority in your life because it's important. It makes you feel better, like you said. Um, and it's also going to maybe make you live longer. And uh, I think that's something we all want. So, um, And here's, here's something else, right? So society, as we know, is very distracted. And you might not think about it, but you know, with our screens and everything that's going on, there's advertising all over. And, and I mean, you go on, say you're even on Facebook or Instagram, right? There's an ad every how many, three or four things uh, that you're scrolling through. And we are so distracted. And I'm not blaming anybody. This is just how our society has come to be. And there's no ignoring that. Um, whether you, th- maybe you think that we're not, but we are, you know, we're distracted. And the other thing is we're overstimulated. There's so much going on. Uh, and that's why we are distracted, Right. Um, and if you're wondering what that is, overstimulation is a physiological and psychological overload, right? It's just too much for the senses. Uh, it's an act of overburdening of the senses, um, and it affects both physical and the mental bodies in tandem. So, um, your mind, your, your actual physical body, it affects those things being overstimulated by whatever senses. And so it can be, you know, purely sensory. So, uh, you know, I mean, I guess you can be overstimulated by like um, touching something that's uncomfortable or whatever, but uh, it also has a psychological component, right? So when you're overburdened with work or you've spent too many hours in front of a screen, that kind of thing. Um, And overstimulation isn't just a problem in our modern day society. Um, It's actually more than that. It's a disease, which which sounds harsh to say, but it is because uh, the constant overburdening of the senses like this, it isn't healthy for us. And unfortunately, it's not something we can fully, you know, avoid all the time because we're in this society is what we're, what we're doing. It's, it's around us. Um, and, uh, here's kind of how it works. So overstimulation creates excess dopamine in the brain. Um, we've talked about it before. Dopamine is the neurotransmitter tied to the reward and pleasure centers of the brain. So when we've got excess dopamine in our circuitry, we feel good, right? When you got a lot you got a lot of dopamine. So when you're overstimulated, you got a lot of dopamine, you're feeling good. But the problem with this is that if you have so much, uh, you know, excess dopamine, as time goes on, our dopamine receptors become less responsive to the natural kind of ebb and flow of our hormones. So what that means is that we basically require more powerful stimuli to release the dopamine we've come to crave. So you kind of, it creates this bad cycle of, well, you're getting this, this dopamine, but the more you have of it, you know, the less sensitive you are to, you know, whatever. Going through Instagram, let's say you're getting a like, you see, you get a like, you know, that creates that dopamine in your brain. Um, but the more that happens, then you need more, you know, to make, get that same feeling, you're going to need more, which obviously is a problem. So um, here's here's something that's kind of, you know, come out of it. ADHD is on the rise, if you didn't know already. Uh, and if you don't know what ADHD is, it stands for Attention Deficit Hyperactivity Disorder. Uh, it is a medical condition. And, and basically, a person with ADHD has uh, differences in brain development and brain activity that affect attention, ability to sit still and self-control, right? So this is a medical condition. Um, but here's the interesting thing. In the 1980s, one in 20 children were diagnosed with ADHD. And today, the number has risen to one in nine. 
right? That's, that's, I mean, that's almost double. Um, and, and there is a thing here, of course, that there's a decreased taboo kind of surrounding, you know, behavioral disorders and, and mental health and stuff like that. So, you know, they're diagnosing it more because they're aware of it. But, uh, we also have this sensory overload and there's all these things happening around her that, around us that, you know, it's, it's saying, you know, attention deficit hyperactivity. That's what's going on around us. You know, just everything is just overstimulated, hyperactive. It's, it's, phenomenal what's going on around us um and it's causing these problems that we can't even you know feel feel good from those those dopamine hits <laughs> that are happening in our brain like i said we need more um and it's creating this constant kind of uh, well it's just feeding into the cycle and it's not it's not a great thing um so how does this all relate to the topic of the day well um we know these things and and what's going on in society and like i said they were overstimulated but um I think, and a lot of other people found that a forced isolation, kind of like we've been put into, it's it's necessary to allow people to kind of slow down, first of all, separate yourselves from the busy world that we live in and all the things you're doing, and, and allow people to sit with their thoughts. Because that's not as common as, as maybe think it is or as it should be. So uh, here's something that is really interesting. We are... As humans, um, and I guess just kind of in society, but as humans, scared of being alone. Um, and there is kind of proof to that because here it is. So the there's a, there's actually this fear of this thing called the anechoic chamber. It's at uh, well, this one's at Orfield Labs. There's there's a couple of them, but um, basically, what an anechoic the anechoic chamber is, and that's like an echo. Right? Like, so no, no echo. That's what they're trying to say. It's designed to be completely silent. So silent, in fact, that the background noise measured in the room is actually negative. <laughs> so the background noise is actually less than like, well, zero. It's negative 9.4 decibels. Um, so here's the thing. When it's that quiet, um, if you're in there, right, your ears will adapt because that's, that's what happens. And you'll actually start to hear your heart beating and the blood flowing through your body. Sometimes you can actually hear your lungs. Um, and basically in this chamber, you become the sound because there's nothing else in there. So you're forced to listen to yourself and, of course, your thoughts. But physically, you're hearing, you know, your body and how it works. Um and the longest anyone has ever stayed in there is about, well, it was 45 minutes um, and some places because it was different. This specific one was 45 minutes, but it's about 45 to 60 minutes is all that somebody can stay in there for if you're really pushing yourself. Most people, it's actually like torturous. Like it's not meant to be used for that, but it, it just, it's so uncomfortable for the average person um, because it's so silent and we're not in that environment like ever because we're in this overstimulated, you know, environment all the time. Um, so something that is, is interesting to think about is that we live in this world and I'm talking kind of, you know, Canada, US, um, I guess these are more first world kind of based things, but we currently live, you know, in this society specifically, um, we live in a place where individual freedom is more accessible than ever. Right, we keep continue to fight for freedom of things, and 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 so people can do and say and and be free with doing whatever they want. Um, but as a result of this, which I've never thought of before, existential crisis, um, it's at an all time high. Right, uh, young people are getting them earlier. Old people are getting them more often. Um, 
And and when we're, when we're alone, you know, there's always some sort of anxiety, just a little bit, um, because all you're left with uh, are your thoughts. And basically these daunting existential questions because, um, well, these, these questions are posed from the freedom that we, we've worked so hard to get and that we're surrounded by now. Um, we can do whatever we want. We can be whatever we want. You know, we can, we can think whatever we want. But now there's nobody telling you anything. So you have to decide. You have to think and, and you have these existential questions. So when you're alone, there's that anxiety of thinking like, well, what, what do you, what's, what do I do? Right. Um, and, and the thing is, well, the easiest way to deal with that is, is just to not sit alone with those questions or those thoughts or whatever's in our mind. And it's easy to avoid them. So, you know, you're on the, even if you're just on the subway or whatever, you're going home and you sit down and there's nobody in the car and you're just sitting there by yourself. Most likely you're going to pull out some earbuds or something and listen to music because, on average, people, we, we don't know how to just sit alone with our thoughts because there's so many unanswered questions that we are not willing to try to think about. Um, so we basically choose overstimulation because we don't want to deal with what is on the other side of, of kind of silence and being alone. Um, and when we choose that, a burnout becomes inevitable, right? Um, because any moving object, no matter how fast it goes, um, eventually comes to rest. We know that from physics, um, assuming, you know, there's friction and whatever, but that's what's happening in our lives. Um, and, and eventually you can't avoid it at some point, which is that existential crisis, you know, at some point it's going to come and you're going to have to deal with it. Um, and <laughs> this is kind of a little bit of a depressing fact, but it's really good to think about whether you like it or not. We are alone. Each individually, we are alone. We're born alone. You know, we die alone. All of your life's most important events, you experience alone. And now you're going, well, no, I'm with people, you know, like, for example, they're saying, you know, uh, uh, first, uh, maybe first goal, you're scoring, playing hockey, first kiss, all those kinds of things. Even those things that you're experiencing in the, you know, presence of another person, they're, they're causing that experience to happen. You ultimately live through that inside your head alone like you're the one experiencing that 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 uh situation we're alone and that me saying that probably maybe makes you uncomfortable or or feels like whoa um that's that's kind of harsh but it's true and that's not a bad thing that's what i'm trying to get to here um that's not a bad thing um and, and I mean, here's just another fact, right? We were talking about working from home. Well, one of the downsides is that oftentimes people, oftentimes people working from home want to go back to working at the office because they're feeling lonely. Um, and there could be other reasons, yes, but they're feeling lonely. And what does that come from? Well, we're, we don't as a society know how to be alone because we're, and it's nobody's fault, but we're in this overstimulated, you know, um, kind of sensory overload type of environment all the time. Um, and here's some interesting things. So those are, you know, we're talking about people, most people, uh, and you might agree, reflecting on yourself that you're scared of, of being alone, right? Um, but according to psychology today, people who do like spending time alone and people who are unafraid of being single and, and they're fine not being in a relationship, right? They're being alone or single. They're more likely than, than others to be open-minded, um, which is, which is interesting. Um, when you're, cause they're spending that time alone. People who are unafraid of being single are more agreeable than people who are afraid of being single. 
and uh, people who are unafraid of being alone, they're not overly sensitive to rejection and they don't get their feelings hurt too easily because they've, well, I would say they're learning to deal with that um, and getting to know themselves better and think about things. Um, and, and, and when those people are in romantic relationships, their own self-esteem does not depend on how the relationships are going. If you're having a bad relationship, it's not actually affecting you because you've taken the time to kind of, of, of deal with those things being alone um, and you don't depend on other people for your for your happiness or or your you know how you're feeling. Um, and here's a big one that I thought was was pretty crazy. Um, those kind of people that like being alone and are fine with being alone, also right. We're saying they're less likely to be lonely or to be depressed. People that seek out time to be alone, they're not lonely. They are they are alone right just them but they don't feel lonely uh, and they're less likely to be depressed right again this is none of this is like a, a call out to anybody this is i'm just stating some facts that are really quite interesting to ponder um and this is all too you know it's not very common in our in our society um of of taking time to be alone like that because i said that's just how it's been built so how do we practice being alone and avoid this overstimulation? Well, you may have guessed. The answer is meditation. And this is a practice that's been around for hundreds of thousands of years. Um, right? It's, it's just, it's, uh, it's the answer to a lot of things. Um, and again, I quickly want to just touch on how this all relates to our topic here. I think this coronavirus and, and pandemic situation, although the effects of it are bad. Um, it's really forced us to be alone. And it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's come in and, and been like, you know what? I'm sorry. You can't go back to everyday life. Um, and you're gotta, you gotta take some time and figure out how to be self-sufficient. Right. And that originally was very scary for a lot of people. And, and, uh, you know, even me too, I was uncomfortable. Um, and it was challenging to be away, away from people and you weren't allowed to see people. Um, but it can be seen as a good thing because we're starting to figure out how to be alone. And that's something that our society really needs, I think. Um, and that's why this is a good thing. So we've, you know, been forced into kind of isolation. You have to quarantine all those things where you buy yourself how can you actually practice being alone and avoiding this overstimulation that I'm talking about? Well, like I said, it's meditation. In psychology, meditation is defined as, here it is, a family of mental training practices that are designed to familiarize the practitioner with specific types of mental processes. So you're trying to, trying to be aware of where things are working in your mind. Now that's the psychological standpoint. It's also a spiritual thing. Um, but we're not gonna, I'm not gonna specifically touch on that today. I will, uh, discuss meditation another day, but we're talking psychologically. Um, what is it? So there's, it, it can be practiced. Meditation can be practiced in one of three ways, uh, different kind of modes, right? So there's concentration. So you're focusing on like a single object. It could be internal or external. So, uh, they call it like focused attention meditation. So maybe it's just your breath. You're just focusing on your breath. That's, you know, concentrating on one thing. Uh, the, the second mode is observation, uh, paying attention to kind of whatever is predominant in your experience in the present moment without allowing the attention to get stuck on any particular thing. So you're just kind of there. 
you're, you don't got an itch or something. You're not trying to change it. You're not focusing on it. You're just kind of going, all right. You know, you're observing the situation and what's going on. Uh, maybe the thoughts in your brain, you're being, you're just observing, right? And then the last one is awareness. So allowing awareness to remain present, undistracted, and not engage with either focusing or observing. You're just, you're just, you're not observing things as though you're just seeing what's happened. You're just, you're just aware of what's going on. Those are the three things, uh, the three kind of practices, right? Um, that you can, different types, I guess, of meditation. Um, and, uh, well, it's something I strongly suggest that you dive deeper into, but here's how it works. Uh, repeated meditation produces the neurotransmitter serotonin. We're always talking about these hormones, hey? It's crazy. The things happen in our brain. So meditation is producing serotonin. And what is serotonin? Well, it regulates our mood. And here we go. It alleviates anxiety and battles depression. Well, those are things that are caused from all this overstimulation, right? Well, meditation is is going to... Um, put out this neurotransmitter serotonin and it's going to help us to relieve that anxiety. Um, and, and what's the best part about increased levels of serotonin? Well, the mood boosting chemical, uh, actually repairs and resets the dopamine receptors, uh, those sites in the brain. So it's basically like a reset button for your overworked senses. So what we talked about earlier, if you don't remember, um, but, uh, when, when dopamine, is there's too much of it, right? Um, it kind of damages those receptors. So we have to, you know, if we're on Instagram or whatever, we're talking about social media, um, you know, you need to get, you need more of it to get the same response. So, um, well, serotonin, which is released through meditation, can start to repair those uh, receptors in your brain. So basically, you know, all of these negative impacts that the overstimulation has on on our actual actually on our brain, um, can start to be fixed by meditating, right? Crazy. Um, and, and here's something. Solitude is not a state to be feared, but it's one to enter prepared and to practice. Don't be scared of it. Um, try to work on it. Try to practice it. Um, engaging with discomfort, because uh, if you are scared of it, right, it's uncomfortable. But engaging with that discomfort allows us to focus our attention and accept what we can't change and address what's important. Um, so meditation is really important, especially well at all times. But right now, we're being giving we are being given a chance through this whole Corona situation uh, to take a step back. Life's kind of slowed down a little bit. And, and things have been removed from our lives and we can go, oh, take a breath and go, you know what? And maybe if you're listening to this, think about it. Maybe you are worried about being alone and you actually find it challenging. Maybe make that a focus in your life to try to improve and work on. Um, and way you can do that is through meditation, which we will dive into more another day. But um, feel free to check out, you know, you check out the website. There are some guided meditation things Um I suggest Headspace is a great starter for anybody um, that hasn't started up. It's an app. But uh, yeah, meditation, really important. So go to check that out and and give it a try. If you are meditating, make it, you know, make sure it is an important part of your life. Um, and, and here is the last thing that I've kind of uh, come to that it's really important sometimes to lose something to start to be aware of how much it means to you and its significance. And that's happened. We've lost a lot of things. Um, 
a lot of, I mean, personal things, right? Like we've lost, maybe it's, it's seeing your family, like, um, extended family more or our friends or whatever, and you're not able to socialize, but we've lost that. Um, and things are, yes, starting to go back up, but, um, and we're able to do that again, but, um, you start to realize what's significant in your life, because if you have something taken away, um, you know, it'll, it'll be a shocking, but it'll actually kind of be a blessing in disguise because when we lose something, we have to adapt and, and change how we do things. Um, and, and, you know, this has created in this situation, a lot of innovation, right. And creation, um, all, you know, doing all these meetings from home, artists are figuring out how to collaborate from afar. It's, it's created a whole new, well, here's the problem. We got to overcome it and keep doing kind of what we normally do, but let's do it differently. And we got to be innovative. Um, and that is a great thing that's come out of all this because, you know, there is always, you know, technological innovation and stuff, but as a, as a culture, you know, as a society, uh, there hasn't, we've been a little bit stagnant for a while. Things are just how they are. It's not like, you know, we went through the Renaissance or whatever. Um, but maybe this is it. Maybe this is our modern day Renaissance. We're starting to having to adapt to, you know, this is how life is. Let's innovate and, and figure out how to, how to deal with it, how to adapt to what we've lost and, and figure out a way to overcome this. Right. And of course, as I said before, we realize the importance of things in our lives. So, you know, not working from home, it might be able to make you happier. You've realized, well, I really, I really don't, I've lost kind of working at the office, but I realized, oh, I actually gained something from this. Um, you maybe haven't been able to see your friends, like I said, and, and you really miss them and you realize, well, you know what? I need to spend more time. I need to make that a priority in my life. Um, it could be anything, right? But that's that's definitely an important thing I think that's come out of this. And you got to start to look at it as though we've lost things. But here's take this time to reevaluate what's important in your life. What do you need to focus on more? Um, what have you been avoiding? Maybe um, in our busy lives that we've been, you know, going. This has been a forced kind of shutdown of of normal life. And I really hope personally that we don't go back to what we call normal life because I hope our normal life is different moving past this because society, well, we always need to change. Change is important to grow. And and I think if you start to look at it like that, this can be seen as a growing opportunity um, for all kinds of all kinds of things. Um, like we said, so you know the benefits of of this of this virus and not I guess it's not the virus itself, the benefits of being stuck and the way uh, being stuck at home and the way it's affected our lives. You know, we're working from home. And like I said, that can be actually a good thing for businesses money-wise. Um, and and it makes people happier overall. And people are working more efficiently. Then they got more time with their, their family. Um, and, you know, you can build. The second thing is you can build those healthy relationships with your family. If you don't already have them, you can start to build them. You can continue to strengthen them. And that has, like we said, positive impacts on, on your health, how you feel, but also like your physical health, your mental health. Um, and also your life expectancy, right? Um, and of course, this is a break from that overstimulated society that we've been around for a long time. And, and it's given us a chance to maybe be alone and we got to try to face our thoughts, um, a little bit. And obviously, you know, we can turn to Netflix and stuff when we're at home, but at some point you're going to have to, you know, kind of turn within and that's important. And that's, that can be seen as a good thing because we need that. Um, right. And, we need to get rid of that kind of fear 
that we have of being alone and, and maybe we realize as a society, it's important to not be doing something all the time. And, and that we need to have that time alone. Um, and lastly, uh, realizing, you know, like I said, what's important in our lives? What do we miss? What do we really miss from this? Oh, you know, I don't care about, um, you know, my commute to work maybe, but I really miss being able to go across the street and play with my neighbor's dog. I don't know what it is, but, um, which you could probably do now, I guess, if that was the situation. But, you know, I, I'm, I don't really miss this part of my life, how it was before, but I really miss, you know, my, my weekly get togethers with my friends and going to getting together with people. So just take some time and, and, and think about these things and maybe start to see this not as a bad thing, um, but as a way to grow. And as you know, we're all about growing around here. That's, that's what this is all about. And that's why I'm providing you with some of this information and talking about it because it's really important to try to see this as an opportunity um, and not diminish what's actually happening and the bad things of it, but see it as, a, as, a, as an opportunity to try to grow and, and get better and maybe readjust your life and make your life the best it can be so you can live it to the fullest. And of course, that brings me to uh, Don't Settle, which is our uh, platform and community that's dedicated to personal growth and helping you to live life to the fullest. That's the whole point. Um, and if you haven't checked out the website, go do that. It's uh, don'tsettleofficial.ca. And you can check us out on Facebook and Instagram and all those things. Um, and just uh, you know, provide you with things like this, help you to learn uh, and grow, get better physically, mentally, spiritually, um, stay motivated, all that kind of stuff. Really important. If you haven't signed up for the, the community on uh, the email community, go ahead and do that. It should, uh, it'll be on the website under community. Um, and, and that's an important thing because it's important, like I said, to be around people, uh, even though we may not be able to physically be around people to have that support and, and build those healthy relationships. And that's what don't settle is all about. So, uh, yeah, please go check that out if you haven't already. And I really appreciate you listening today and, and tuning in if you're watching. Thank you. Um, and yeah, just some things to think about, about the coronavirus, right? Uh, and again, because of all this, I hope everybody's staying, staying healthy and, and doing well, um, and getting in and out of the grocery store safely. <laughs> um, but yeah. I just thank you so much for listening today and we'll be back soon next week with another episode. And until then, just remember to keep loving life and we'll chat with you soon. If you're interested in more content like this, go check out our website at don'tsettleofficial.ca. We're dedicated to providing resources, information, and content designed to assist you on your journey of personal growth and most of all, to help you live life to the fullest. Thanks so much for tuning in. We'll chat with you next time.